0: Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. Whether it's the insane themselves, or the asylum that barely houses them, psychosis is something to fear. This is Darkness Prevails, the best place to share your true stories with the world, because this world is a strange one. Sometimes people aren't born healthy. They may appear fine, but inside their minds, something is wrong, something is broken. They can't help it sometimes, but that doesn't mean they're not daydreaming of tearing you apart. Enjoy these allegedly true stories of asylums and insane people. Remember, you can use the links in the description to share your stories with me, and you can go to morbidmonsters.com for some creepy but awesome shirts Real quick, here are the first five comments from my previous video. Slushy Snow says, shivers down my spine. It'll be hard to shiver down your spine when you don't have a spine. Actually, that doesn't make any sense. Ned Flanders says, why when I get in my house alone, do I just stare at the top of the stairs thinking I'm going to see a demon pop their head out? That's weird, Ned. Sounds like you have some trust issues with your house demon. I'm on good terms with mine. Ain't that right, Scott? Mmm, yes. <laughs> Scott's a good guy. Luis Gutierrez says, Hey, Darkness, I'm watching. I'm always watching. Uh, rude. So you're always watching and you won't tell me when I'm burning my chicken nuggets? Craig says, Brosov, Brody, Brokowski, Bro Creepy. My favorite is actually botanical gardens. And Ambit Gambino says, I try to listen to your videos while I go to sleep, but that's not gonna happen with a thing under my bed. Well, Gambino, you're supposed to turn it off after you use it, otherwise it's gonna be vibrating all night. Now, let's get locked up with the crazies and enjoy these crazy stories. The following gameplay footage in the background is from a game called Too Dark from Gloomywood and Big Ben Interactive. To purchase and play the game, Click the link in the description. Number one, Mental Institution by Mariana. I'm 14 years old and I was recently admitted to a psych ward due to depression and anxiety. When I first got there, I thought that I really didn't need to go. But as time progressed, I realized it was helpful. However, the help came along with a few consequences. As you may know, most psych wards are not as heavily monitored as they probably should be. This was proven to me during my stay. For a couple of days, things seemed to go without repercussion. I met people, became friends with them. I didn't really think much of anything. I was moved from one unit to another the first day, Due to knowing someone in the previous unit, I eventually made friends with a girl whose name was Miranda. There was something strange about Miranda. She seemed to act out whenever she had the chance. I was talking to some other girls when they said that she acted up because she just didn't want to go home. One day, after a particularly tough day, I decided to stay back from dinner. We have recently had someone new come into the unit named Ethan. I immediately realized there was something off about Ethan. Of course, there's something off about everyone there, but even more so, you could tell more that he was possibly special-led. But still, there was something not quite right, especially compared to the rest of us. There's another boy who'd stay back that day for dinner as well, named Hunter. And what was truly wrong with Hunter, I'll never know. The things I found out that night send chills through my bones even still. That night, Miranda had a complete freak out. She went into one of the game rooms and blocked it off with the couch and other things. She began riding on the walls, F the staff, over and over again. Eventually, we were shoved into the game room across the hall, The staff locked the door. They left us as they went to call a code orange or patient out of control. We sat there for what seemed like hours when it was probably only around half an hour, but half an hour was too much with these types of people. They were terrifying. I decided to introduce myself to Ethan. He didn't really have that many friends here. He was new after all. I asked him why he was there. It was typical for all of us to ask. I told him I was there for depression and thoughts of self-harm. He told me he was there because he was a pyromaniac, a compulsive liar, and that he was violent and his parents kicked him out of his home. This was slightly scary as I was locked in a room with him due to the other patient being out of control. Now, Hunter, I hadn't really gotten his story, All I knew was that he was a bit of a, as the saying goes, an F boy. He seemed to have dated some girls in the unit. He was not allowed to be alone in the room with any females when the staff was not in the room with him, and he was specifically not allowed to be in the room with this girl because they were dating. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that the best relationships don't often start in a mental hospital so I didn't blame the staff. But because of this fact, I was even more uncomfortable with being left alone with him, especially considering the things he told me. He told me that he was there because he attacked his father. Not only that, but he had done plenty of drugs and was going to serve a jail sentence after this. This was progressively getting more and more creepy as we waited for the screams of the other patient to subside. Now, that's not even creepy. That's just one of the experiences there. But now this one girl that I'm about to tell you was frightening as hell. So, a few days after that, I seemed very comfortable. I was making new friends and inviting new people to share a room with me as they were slowly running out of space. One day, the staff let me know that a new girl was going to be joining our unit. According to them... Her name was, I don't quite remember it exactly, but I think it was Darian. Anyway, being a nice person, I decided to invite her into my room. I was already sharing it with two other girls, my friends Kate and Stephanie, but I decided that one more couldn't hurt. That was the worst mistake I made. Finally, the girl arrived. She had pretty dyed hair, but she seemed a little out of it. This wasn't uncommon, as most patients seem to not have the slightest clue as to why they're there or what's going on. I went over to her and said hello, introduced myself, and told her that I'm her new roommate. I couldn't wait to share the room with her and all that. I asked her what her name was. She seemed to be kind of out of it and not quite understanding what I was asking. Still, I wasn't quite sure. Maybe it was just a rough day for her. I decided not to jump to conclusions, but I was already beginning to suspect something weird. Later that night, all of us were trying to talk to her. We were trying to get why she was in the hospital at all. Eventually, Hunter came up to us and asked her name. This was after we were talking to her about why we were there, trying to get her to open up as well. In her confusion, she answered that her name was Depression. Of course, being stupid teenagers, we laughed at it, considering it a joke. Later that night, I was enjoying my first night as a level three. Level threes were allowed to stay up after curfew, which for this unit was nine o'clock. This meant that I was allowed to stay up until 10. I was enjoying this new freedom when Stephanie came hurtling out of the room, screaming. She had tears in her eyes and she was shaking. She said that Darien had stood up and flickered the lights, saying things about demons coming for Stephanie. This freaked out Stephanie to the point where she refused to go back into that room until Darian was removed at that point i was convinced that there was some psychological issues with this girl majorly i decided to talk to another girl and see if i could convince her to switch rooms with Darian thank the lord she willingly agreed that night after this had all taken place i was calmly reading a book by james patterson that one of the people in the unit had let me borrow all of a sudden I looked up and saw Darian. She seemed mildly frantic, speaking about voices and hallucinations that she'd heard and seen. She was constantly talking about her father. Now, staff had no idea how to deal with this. Their idea of dealing with this was to lock her in the quiet room to get her to calm down. Now, I've had friends who have had auditory and visual hallucinations in the past, I managed to coax her to sleep. After this, however, I couldn't stop thinking about the things she'd said the entire night. I felt watched by the demons she spoke of, and I kid you not, I heard footsteps in the room when nobody else was awake, and I could hear something breathing right next to my bed. I didn't sleep at all that night, not after what I heard and felt, things I've never experienced before. But as soon as Darian officially moved to another room, those things quieted down. It was like she came here and she brought something with her. There were other creepy things there. For example, we had a daily goal and this one girl who was Spanish and didn't know much English. And the phrases that did come out were usually broken English. She worked on it while she was there and she was doing fairly well. However, she had the same goal every day. It was to control the voices. I eventually figured out that she was having auditory hallucinations, and one day, I walked in on her talking to them. That's unusual, sure, but it was the things she was saying, like, stab them all, cut them all, little pieces Little pieces. It was an experience that I'll never forget. I feel as though these experiences motivated me to try and get myself better, at least so I didn't have to go back there ever again. Number two, Creeper in the Mental Hospital. Submitted by Anonymous. I was 14, and I was bullied a lot, so I started to feel depressed, which ultimately landed me in a mental ward. To be honest, it wasn't so bad there, but it's what I learned after getting out that made me wonder what people can really hide, what people don't show other people. I was in the hospital for two weeks. It was around that time I was confused about my sexuality, so I would say that I was bisexual, though I realize now that I wasn't. Turns out a lot of girls in there with me were also like me, even my roommate, so that made settling in much easier. The first week of my stay was uneventful, but then we had a new girl come in. Her name was Mary. Mary didn't strike me as strange, probably because of where I was, so we became friends within a day when we were allowed to go outside. Mary, along with some other girls and I would talk to each other about whatever. Mary eventually asked me if I liked guys or girls and I told her what I thought was right at the time, that I was bi. Soon after, she asked if I would date her. I had recently been dumped before I came here Not to mention getting in a relationship in a psych ward. It didn't sound very healthy to me. So I wasn't really looking for a relationship. This is what I answered to her. I thought that would be the end of it. But every day she would ask me again, will you date me? And every time I would say, no, I'm just not looking for a relationship. By the third day of asking me at least four times a day, She began to ask instead, are you ready to date me now? And again, I would tell her no. Thinking back on it now, I don't know why I didn't just try to stay away from her. Every day, I would be asked the same question multiple times, always with her receiving the same response of no. Now, my cousin at the time worked there as part of her nursing school, She was eventually assigned to Mary. I don't know exactly what for, but I do know that my cousin is now the only reason I know this, the only reason I know why Mary was sent to the ward. It was only after I left that I was able to know. Turns out, Mary would sneak into other girls' rooms in their homes while everyone was sleeping. She would take their used undergarments wear them, smell them, take them home with her. It made me feel sick knowing that I'd let her in my room back then without ever knowing what she had actually done. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: Number three, The Night I Nearly Died, submitted by James. When I was 13... I lived in a small town in central Illinois, and I'm really into the paranormal. Me and a friend of mine named Dave went to a haunted house once. It was part of this old asylum in Pekin, Illinois. It might be somewhere else, but it was close to Pekin. That part I'm certain of. So before leaving for the haunted asylum, I was talking to this lady in her 40s about the place. She explained how her and her friend would always sneak in and smoke, drink, and enjoy their teenage selves. She also explained her paranormal experience. If I remember right, this is what she said. Me and my friend were just smoking and passing the time when we heard something. But being stoned out of our minds, we were panicking because we thought it was the cops. As we started to leave, we heard footsteps and they were coming towards us. We all dead sprinted out of there, but of course, I got separated from everyone else and couldn't find my way out. I heard my friends screaming and out of nowhere, I heard someone screaming at us, a voice that sounded like it was above us, below us, around us, everywhere, all at once. It screamed. Get out now. As soon as I heard that voice, I ran for the screaming of my friends and I finally made it out of there. I didn't believe in the paranormal when I heard her story and I thought she was just too high or drunk. Maybe she was hearing things or had just made it up. Dave and I went back to our hotel where our parents were staying, but they would be out for the night and wouldn't be back until late. Dave and I discussed the story, and he also felt the same way, thinking that she was just making it up. So then we decided to go to see for ourselves. It was hard to get into. When we did get in, it simply seemed like a normal kind of abandoned asylum, creepy, worn down, rusted, and empty. So we started to walk each floor Nothing really happened. Now, this is where it does get creepy. The only thing we had with us at the time were flashlights. We were getting ready to go up to the attic space when we began to hear running, like little kids running around playing tag. Me and David looked at each other, both of us confused, thinking, why are there little children in this place, especially this late at night? Sure, I was 13, and I couldn't defend myself for that, so maybe it was other kids like us who were curious or using the place to play around. Then, out of nowhere, the running stopped. Still confused, I yelled, Is there anyone up there? Of course, there was no answer, but we did hear little kids laughing, and we heard them whispering to one another so I decided to go up and have a look. Dave stayed back because he was beginning to get scared, ready to go. As I got up there, I saw a woman staring out the window. Confused, I went up and asked her, Miss, what are you doing here with your kids? Like I said, I didn't believe an ounce into the paranormal, and she said nothing. All she did was turn around and looked at me. What terrified me in that moment was when I saw her eyes. They were solid black, as if someone had plucked them out and spray painted over them, then placed them back inside. They were more like black marbles than eyes. Then, literally, like a wisp in the wind, she disappeared. I remember stumbling backward, cursing under my breath, It was then I knew we had to leave. I went back and regrouped with Dave, and as we were leaving, I heard someone running towards us. This time, it wasn't the light pitter-patter of children's feet. It sounded more like a grown man or an animal charging at us. We both sprinted out of there. In my panic, I somehow lost Dave. I got confused and disoriented, and I think I ended up in the basement. I started to yell for Dave, but I don't think he heard me. I didn't hear him respond. Maybe I got too far away. It was then, in the middle of my panic, I heard someone coming down the stairs after me. I called back, trying to have a confident voice, but it barely came out as a whisper. Dave, is that you? Stop messing around, man. This is getting weird. I couldn't believe myself. I was starting to believe the story that lady told us. There's no way, I thought. Haunted things aren't real. There's no such thing as ghosts. In the silence, alone with nothing but my inner voice, I heard someone else there. They breathed deeply and slowly. I ran out of the basement, up those stairs as fast as I possibly could. With what little breath and sanity I had left, I found Dave outside talking to the police. I didn't care. I was just happy that we weren't alone anymore, that we were out of the asylum. Turns out Dave had waved down the police. they never found us, Dave simply thought that I got kidnapped or something. Needless to say, we both got in big trouble for trespassing. But again, at that point, we were just glad to be out. And luckily, they didn't tell our parents. Trust me when I say that night, I could not sleep at all. All I could do was repeat that breathing in my head, the sound of something no longer human in that basement with me. Recently, I thought I'd forgotten all about it until my parents wanted to tell me that the old asylum was finally torn down. Honestly, a part of me was glad that that happened and another part of me was terrified because that part of me was the part that never forgot what happened. And to this day, my memory of the place is as vivid as ever. When I'm having trouble forgetting what happened there, I have trouble sleeping at night because every time I close my eyes, I'm there again and it feels all too real. Number four, The Forest Bunker, submitted by Brooke R. When I was young, maybe five or six years old, I lived in a nice middle-class suburb. I had woods behind my house, but they weren't very huge, but they were still big enough to get lost in. I used to take walks with my mom out there, and one day, on one of those walks, my mom and I passed by a particularly large tree that we usually did pass by when we took our walks. This time, though, something was different. A blue plastic tarp hung down from it and along a couple of the low-hanging branches, forming a makeshift ceiling or wall. Beneath the tarp was some brush that had been piled up in some semblance of a bed. There were also several empty food cans lying on the ground. Now, these items on their own are not particularly weird, as it could have just been a homeless person camping out back there or something like that. That would have definitely been strange for a neighborhood like ours, but not exactly scary. No, the creepy part was when we looked higher up in the tree and found a pair of binoculars hanging from a branch. I don't think hobos need binoculars. As soon as my mom saw those binoculars, an obvious look of panic swept across her face. The branch with the device on it was right within view of our backyard. From our point of view, we wouldn't have been able to see the specific tree from the yard, but whoever was there, they could have easily seen us with the binoculars. My mom quickly led me home, and at the time, I didn't really understand how scary the situation was. Several years after we moved out of the house, and when I was more grown up, my mom brought up the memory ''Do you remember that little fort we found in the woods that one time?'' she asked. I took a second to think about it, just now realizing how weird that was. ''Yeah,'' I replied. ''That was really odd, wasn't it?'' ''Well,'' she went on. ''I found out later that the man who had been staying there, the one with the binoculars, he had escaped from a mental institution and was hiding out in our backyard.'' A friend of our family had told us who it had been. Now, I don't know if the guy was dangerous, necessarily, or what he was doing with those binoculars, but I do know, with a setup like that, and a personality of someone who needed institutionalized, and someone who would have escaped that institution, I'm pretty sure that what he was up to was disgusting or disturbing, and to think I was that close to it And I wonder to this day how close he actually came to me. Did he ever leave his tree? Did he ever peer into my window? And number five, exploring the abandoned hospital, submitted by Celestia. Me and my best friend were always into horror movies and creepy stuff, so it was natural for us to want to explore such places in order to get some goosebumps and good scares. Most of our attempts were disappointing, because nothing really interesting happened. Once when I went to visit her in the city, where she studied back then, and while going to buy some groceries, we spotted a big abandoned building next to a hospital and we decided to get close to see what it was supposed to be, or what it used to be. For some reason, we felt really drawn to that building. It was like the moment we saw it, we started immediately walking towards it. When we went to the fence that was surrounding it, we saw a sign saying that it was the old psychiatric ward of the nearby hospital. The building was abandoned and ruins and the sign said it could be dangerous to go inside, so stay away. But right next to the sign, either ironically or perhaps fate, there was a hole in the fence that would allow us to go in with ease. We left the shopping duties for later and decided to venture inside. I checked my phone battery to see how much juice for a flashlight we had. It was close to full, so we carefully went through the fence and we entered the ground floor of the place. It was full of wrecked items, shattered glasses, abandoned old wheelchairs and all sorts of trash. Some of the doors were missing, so you could peek inside some of the rooms. There was a staircase to the second floor. We decided to take it since the ground floor was full of the stuff I noted above. During this time, I was holding the flashlight and pointing it in every direction because my phone was the only source of light we had. Nothing happened on our way to the second floor, so I thought it was probably a waste of time that this abandoned hospital would be another letdown. But the moment we set foot in the second floor... We immediately heard what sounded like breathing or perhaps a breeze coming through the building. It was creepy and interesting enough to keep us going. I looked to my right and I saw a door leading to a pretty big room but I couldn't see what was inside from that angle so I decided to move forward to check it out but I tripped on some weirdly placed bricks in front of the door and that's where something very weird happened. Suddenly, my phone started flickering and stopped working altogether. It didn't turn off because there was no shutting down sounds or the Samsung logo, which it usually shows when it turns off. So we were left in the darkness in front of that door. I tried to turn on my phone again several times as the panic was slightly taking me over. The phone didn't respond at all and the creepy sounds started getting louder which it might've been my imagination from being scared, but maybe not. But I told my friend anyway that it was time to go. We began to stumble downstairs as it was difficult to see without a light. I continued to try to turn my phone on, but still there was no response from it. As soon as we made it outside, my phone turned on without any action on my part. It was like it wasn't off at all. The screen just lit up on its own and everything was normal again. After that, we called it a night and we headed back to the dorms. A couple of days later, my best friend and her boyfriend were supposed to meet at the city. When we meet up with him, we tell him the story of the abandoned hospital and he was immediately intrigued. So we persuaded him to go together with us back to the place. I was both excited and nervous about going back. We waited until it was dark, then we headed there. This time, we all had our phones completely charged with the flashlights ready to go. Everything was pretty much the same on the first floor, but yet again, we didn't really explore it too much. We headed straight for the second floor with him in the front and me in between them, the safest spot in my opinion. When he reached the door on the second floor, the one we couldn't get past before getting too scared to continue, he stopped. Didn't you say the door was open? He said. I found that super weird too, so I rushed forward to see what he was talking about. The door was sealed with bricks that weren't there before. I was shocked. Why would anyone need to seal a door at an abandoned hospital with bricks? It was open just two days ago. That really got us confused and creeped out. We wondered if somebody saw us going in and decided to brick it up. But the question was, for what purpose would someone do that? What was beyond the wall? I truly regretted not seeing what was passed there the last time. We continued to move down the corridor. The walls and ceiling up here were a bit swollen from the moisture. It created some weird shapes over the walls, adding to the atmosphere. At the end of the corridor, we saw staircases going up and down. The upper ones seemed unstable, not a good idea. So we decided we could look around the first floor in more detail. We went down the stairs, and then just when we were about to step onto the first floor again, my friend told us to stop and remove the flashlights. The command was so sudden, we did it quickly and trembled a bit. I looked at her and she was staying close to the wall that created a corner with the other wall. She was peeking slightly over to the corner. I'll be honest, I didn't quite like the idea of staying in the dark with so many open doors in an abandoned ward. I kept an eye out for movement, but it was almost impossible to tell in that kind of darkness, but I didn't stop myself. I wanted to be aware of any sort of surprises. Then suddenly my friend told us to move back to see if there was another hole in the fence that we could use to escape. We didn't even need to hear her warning not to make noise while looking. We did it immediately keeping as quiet as possible but we couldn't find another way out. I realized by our position that my best friend was looking straight to the hole in the fence which was the only way out After several minutes of staying put there, she turned around and told us to make a run to the hole and we were happy to do it after staying there for so long in the dark. We went outside and she told us to head straight to the dorms and to get our baggage. She didn't talk for a while, but she was looking backwards constantly like she was afraid of seeing something. We continuously asked her what happened until she finally told us She said in the hallway downstairs she saw a shadow of a really tall man or what she thought was some man. It was too dark to tell for sure. By her words the shadow just stayed there facing our direction and didn't move at all. It just stayed there for so long staring at our direction and she told us that she had the feeling he was looking straight at her. By her words After the whole time we stayed in the dark, she decided to look back to see if we were still there because staring at the shadowy figure, she said that time seemed to fly by. On our way back to our hometown, we kept on talking about it, but nobody could find any reasonable explanation for anything that happened. Who was the shadow man? What did he want? Why was there a brick wall where there wasn't one before? To this day, I still want to know what they're hiding back there and why they haven't demolished the building. Something tells me that there's something hidden in that place and that that building has a terrible history. It would be terrifying to be locked up in an asylum. I've always been scared that If I were to ever be locked up myself, they would never let me out, always coming up with lies or fake reasons that I needed to stay, or maybe not so fake. After all, we might all be a little crazy. That's what makes people so scary, our capacity to commit untold atrocities to one another at any time without anyone ever suspecting a thing behind our smiles we can hide truly abominable desires good night be sure to like share comment and subscribe if you enjoyed the video check out too dark with the link in the description if you want to play the game and remember to share your stories with me using the links in the description as well thank you for listening as always stay safe out there and stay creepy